Comedian, musician, and veteran Tom Tran will be making his second appearance at our 70th annual Porak Conference of Members in November as our headlining entertainment during our installation dinner. Tran, who did a 12-month tour in Iraq, turned to music and comedy as a way to express himself after the hardships he had endured during his time in the military. Hear his story on this latest episode of On the Job with Porak. You're listening to On the Job with Porak, hosted by Porak President Brian Marvel and Vice President Damon Kurtz. I want to welcome Tom Tran, a Los Angeles-based comedian, musician, veteran, and advocate who started his career as a stand-up comic after a combat injury ended his career as a soldier. Tom will be our entertainment at the 70th Annual Porak Conference of Members on November 19th in San Diego. Uh, we had the great pleasure of meeting him last year at our 69th conference with uh, Brad Williams. He was the opening act, which uh, really resonated uh, with a lot of our members, and especially Damon and myself, both being veterans ourselves. Uh, it was great to uh, to hear to hear you on stage and see you, and uh, we thought bringing you back would be awesome. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I'm always glad to do stuff for, for my fellow vets. Well, yeah. Talk a little bit uh, just briefly about your, your, your veteran status. You were in the Army uh, for a few years. You got injured in Iraq. Is that what got you into comedy? Or were you always a, a funny guy even in high school? Uh, no sense of humor was not appreciated in the army special operations community. I can tell you, uh, <laughs> that I had more than a few counseling statements from, you know, Oh, fours and Oh fives about <laughs> being a smart ass. Um, no, I, uh, I joined the army in 1997 after I, uh, graduated from high school, actually had a, you know, uh, being the son of a Vietnam veteran and, a uh, a POW, my father was, um, you know, that was just joining the army was a struggle for my family because, you know, they, they, my dad fought in another war and they came to the United States so that my family and my brothers and sisters didn't have to. And so like a rebellious teenager, I did exactly the opposite of what my family wanted. Well, what my mother wanted, my father was very much like, um, do whatever you want to do, man. That's uh, that's kind of, that was kind of my dad's thing my whole life. You know, do what you want to do. Don't get caught. If you get caught, you better be prepared for whatever happens. Very, you know what? Now that I think about it, it sounded a lot like my drill sergeants. Like when I got to AIT, I remember my drill sergeant going, you know, don't smoke, but if you're going to don't get caught. And I was like, that sounds really familiar. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I joined the army in, in 97, uh, you know, peacetime army, quote unquote, um, for, for a few years. And then things kicked off in the middle East. Uh, I remember my unit was actually our, our, uh, sorry, brain fart. Um, our area of operations was Europe when I joined that unit. And then I got back from training. They're like, Hey, uh, our, our AO is uh, CENTCOM now. I'm like, ah, oh, all right, cool. Uh, all right. I guess then that's happening. And, um, Iraq happened in Oh three. Uh, of course, nine 11 happened in 2001. Uh, there were various deployments in between. And then, you know, Iraq happened. I got shot, uh, while I was deployed downrange 2003 first week in Iraq actually. And, uh, I stayed in Iraq because I have a hard head apparently and I don't listen to anyone, including doctors and medics. 
And um, I came home after that deployment, in a, you know, obviously in a worse way and uh, medically separated um, 2005. And then uh, I decided I was going to be a rock star because that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it turns out nobody cares what a nearly 30 year old <laughs> dude has to say about love in Buffalo, New York. So that didn't work out so good. Um, found stand-up comedy. I didn't, I, I guess I, I, I found it meaning, uh, I found that it was a thing that I could do to relieve the trauma and combat stress from, you know, years of flying around the world doing whatever it is the army says you know what are those uh four magic words needs of the army uh that was my life for the better part of my early 20s and then uh and i, I got shot and i retired and comedy was the thing that kind of saved my life yeah you know it's it's obviously uh you know being peace officers uh you know we have we have dark humor ourselves uh, a lot of people don't quite understand some of the stuff that uh, we laugh about, but uh, I agree 100 percent with you. You know, laughing is really cathartic for uh, you as a person. Uh, it's 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 just uh, a way to relieve a lot of the stresses and anxieties that come along with the profession, whether you're in the military or whether you're in law enforcement. It's just uh, that's why I think when you were up opening for Brad, that it just it really you it was just a great show that you put on and we're like, we got to bring this guy back. It was really important. Thanks, man. You know, I was there to help out my buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he, he was awesome too. I had, he he, was. Uh, there's no uh, denying that. It was a really good show all the way around. Yep. And But I think what Brian says, you know, your humor resonates, I think, a lot with the, those, those of us in the room that there's a lot of veterans there, but also, you know, humor is kind of what we, it is cathartic for us, right? It sometimes gets us in trouble. Um, you know, some folks don't see the humor in, in, in what we laugh at, but that it's kind of how we get through life at times. And, um, if you're not laughing at it, you're, you're, you're putting it somewhere else. And, um, so we appreciate your humor and, and how you help other people cope. So. Yeah. I mean, humor is the only way we can get through those situations and times in our lives, you know, as, as a combat veteran, you know, if you can't laugh about some of the horrific things that you see 24 hours a day for a year, 15 months, 18 months, I know dudes that were downrange for, you know, 12 months at a time, they'd come home for a couple of weeks and then they're back on a plane to the next hole. And then, uh, you know, if you can't laugh, then what happens to your soul? You know, you're just looking at all of the horror and that's what war is. It's horror. Nobody wants to be there. No one wants to be fighting. No one wants to bury their buddies. No one wants to, yep. you know, call Very home true. their loved ones. So you got to laugh at the things you laugh at. Yeah. Sometimes there's a little, it's a little dark. And I think the, the whole thing about dark humor, is it's not so much that it's, it's dark humor. It's, it's that people will only laugh at the things that they can commiserate with or they can relate to. That's why good comedy is what it is. You can make a room full of strangers who have no idea what your life was like, feel like they were there. You know, I can make a room full of peace officers or just randos in Hollywood laugh about 
my deployment or life after the army because it's about being relatable. And I told a joke about me getting shot in the head and I made it funny because it's what the way I tell that story makes it relatable to everyone. It's not that I got shot in the head. It's my father's reaction to it. And we all have, well, most of us have, you know, overbearing fathers or, or family members. So it's, you know, I, I have to tell young comics and new comics, especially comics who are coming out of the military who want to do this. You know, what is it that's funny? Is it that the fart happened in Afghanistan or that it was a fart? You know, a fart joke's a fart joke, whether it happened at Walmart or in Iraq. Like, find the funny. Don't, you know, I, I have comics, young veteran comics, and by young, I mean new at this game, come to me all the time. They're like, people don't understand my jokes about the army. I'm like, well, is the joke about the army or the joke about the thing that happened while you happened to be in the army? You know, comedy as a career, our job is to make people laugh. And you can't say, oh, people don't get this joke. It's not that they don't get the joke. They don't get why the joke is funny. And then they don't get the joke. They don't get the joke. Why the joke is funny because you don't get why the joke is funny. You know what I mean? Like, yes, whatever situation you and your buddies think is funny is funny to you. But to make it a career, to, for me to take a very serious gunfight that happened while I was in Iraq, funny to a group of civilians who have never picked up a weapon. It's not that that's a, a dark, sensitive subject. It's the situation. It's why is the thing funny? And I, what I try to make clear with my career is that we all laugh at the same thing whether civilians or military or peace officers or somebody on the West coast or somebody in the middle of the country. Like we all laugh at the same thing. It's just a matter of understanding what the thing is that we're laughing about. So yeah, I told a bunch of jokes to a bunch of peace officers about being in the military. I can tell those same jokes in Hollywood and still make them funny because it's that fart happened while I was in uniform, just like if the fart happened while I was working at Best Buy which I've never done. I'm sorry, Best Buy, for besmirching your name. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So after, uh, you know, your your time in the service, your injury, you recover, is that when you decided to really focus on the, I mean, obviously your your heavy metal career didn't pan out, but your comedy piece of it, is that is that really what inspired you to maybe work with other comics and start doing the uh, advocacy work for uh, the veterans groups that you're a part of? Yeah. I mean, I was a non-commissioned officer. I was an NCO. I and mean, my job was to take care of soldiers. I mean, it's in the NCO creed, you know, the, the com completion of my, my mission and the welfare of my soldiers is uppermost in my mind. It's like the NCOs are the backbone of the military. So. Well, yeah, they are. And, and my job was as an NCO was to take care of soldiers. And when I realized that comedy was healing me a little bit, uh, I realized that it, it could heal other soldiers. You know, I'm not the only Joe that came back from that deployment or any deployment a little messed up. And when I sit and I watch my friends be funny, that's like, that's the best way to get over the crap of my day or the crap of my twenties or the crap of whatever it is I'm going through. 
That's why people go see stand-up comedy. Like I don't get people to go out to see stand-up comedy to be pissed off about stand-up comedy. Don't go. You know, that's not what it's there for. It's there to make you laugh and to make you feel better and to make you forget for a moment, whatever it is you're dealing with. So when I realized comedy was doing that for me more so than any VA doctors or any pills or drugs or medications that they were giving me or any of the booze that I was drinking. I've been sober for a while now because comedy is the thing that healed me. So yeah, when I realized that I was like, if I can do this for other Joes, then I could still be an NCO. Even if I'm not wearing the uniform anymore, I can still do my job as a non-commissioned officer. Absolutely. So um, in regards to your music career now, are you, trying to refocus on that and get back into the, the heavy metal scene? I mean, it's, uh, what's the name of your band, I guess, would be the first question. Uh, I actually have two bands. Ah, nice. Well, you got a lot of guitars behind you. What's that? I see a lot of guitars behind you, so. Oh, that's only a few of my guitars. <laughs> yeah, if, if you could, I mean, this, there's a whole stack right there that's in cases. Um, I, have, I have what's called gas. Um, guitar acquisition syndrome. It's a very serious <laughs> disease. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've got two bands. I've got an original band called the Tom Tran band and it's just, it's a lot of blues rock uh, stuff, you know, like Skinner, Bon Jovi, Van Halen kind of stuff. It's, it's a mishmash of everything. Like that guitar right there is my, my number one. It is, it's actually the same guitar that Eddie Van Halen is playing in that photo. That's your Lucille. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, actually, I have a Lucille on the way. Oh, very nice. G Gibson just released a, a, a BB King Lucille. And I was like, ah, I got to get one. And I don't have kids. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I, that's the band I play. I just, when I, when I write stuff on my own, but uh, I, I started a new band called the bridge crew and crew spelled C R U E like Motley crew. It is a Star Trek themed heavy metal rock band. Oh my That's gosh. Awesome. I got to listen to this. Yeah. We wear Starfleet uniforms. Um, <laughs> and uh, actually I just had uh, custom guitar picks made. So the bridge crew. Awesome. We just released a couple of music videos. I'm working on another music video. I'm actually going to record the song. Uh, and then we're going to work on a, another music video shortly, but we just released one called uh, neutral zone. Uh, which is a parody of Danger Zone from the Top Gun movie. Uh, and it's the lyrics are based on, this is how nerdy I am. Uh, and I'm shocked that I still have women in my life. But uh, I wrote the song um, based on The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 11. Very specific. Wow. Yeah. it's a, That episode is about a Romulan defector who takes the Enterprise into the Romulan neutral zone. And uh, that's what the song is based on. Like, if you listen to the lyrics of the song and then watch the music or watch the TV episode, you're like, "Holy crap!" That's it. So <laughs> that's how nerdy I get. Oh God, I wish we were uh, interviewing William Shatner again. We could talk about your band with him. Oh, Shatner! I met him once at a party. It was the weirdest conversation, but <laughs> it's kind of the reason I own my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, we're uh, we're looking forward to you to come down to San Diego in November. Um, excited to uh, to see you again, and um, you know, I've, like I said, I think uh, you're going to just be uh, awesome for our members. They're they're super excited that you're coming down, and uh, not too far away from where you live. That's a good thing, right? 
No, no, no. I was just down there uh, a couple of weeks ago hosting the GI Film Festival. So yeah, looking forward ah. to getting back down there. I mean, as an army guy, I, I feel about as comfortable in San Diego as anyone can. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but well, Comic Con is down there, so that that's right. Well, Brian and I are a couple of squids, so we're, we're we're pretty comfortable down in San Diego. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, and you're probably comfortable at Comic Con. Oh, very, very, very. So that's, that's such a great environment down there. Um, so on the, uh, the veterans groups that you're supporting, is this like, how do you, how does this tour materialize? Is this something that you work closely with like the military branches, uh, specifically, or are you working through the USO? How does that work? So there's a, there's a department within the, the Pentagon called the armed forces entertainment. They are what people think the USO is the USO, uh, is not government funded. It is a private organization. That's that's they're supported by donations, one hundred percent. But what most people think is that that is a government agency. They are not. Uh, Armed Forces Entertainment is the actual office that does the things that people think the USO does. The USO does them, just not officially for the Department of Defense. Um, and it's a whole rigmarole. So I work with Armed Forces Entertainment. I'm actually a government contractor still. I worked for the federal government since I was 18. I actually just got off the phone with a military bank that I use. And the guy ended the phone call with, thank you for your 23 years of membership. I went, Jesus Christ, it's been 23 years. I remember signing up when I was a private, I was like 18 years old. Um, But yeah, so I, I I work with armed forces entertainment to tour around the world um, to, you know, my, my goal was to be able to take care of troops. Like I said, um, and I can't do it by jumping out of planes anymore. So I do it with a microphone. Um, and when I, I created a group called the GIs of comedy, we're all comedians. We're all veterans of the military. Some actually have a Lieutenant Colonel in the air force, a reserve, uh, Lieutenant Colonel who's still in, who's stand up comedian. <laughs> we travel around the world performing, um, in 26 or 27 countries at this point and 43 States. Um, and we formed bases and military personnel all over the world, uh, on top of just, you know, the random Memorial day or veterans day show or something like that. So yeah, we've been doing that since 2012, I think was our official no, 2011. First time we went on tour, I created the group in 2010. Um, cause I wanted to do something. I wanted, you know, I, I'm, my mission needed to continue. Uh, I, I'm one of those Joes that was like, I'm real good at taking orders. You give me a mission, I will complete it with as much efficiency and lethality as you needed me to. But then I became a stand-up comedian, like, I don't have a mission anymore. So uh, my mission became entertaining troops stationed wherever uh, they are. I used to say that, you know, if there are two airmen in a shack in Greenland, I want to perform for them. and. The Pentagon took me seriously. And the very first show I did was in Thule, Greenland, <laughs> a North Pole that at the coldest time of year. So <laughs> I need to be a little more careful with what I say to the Department of Defense because they will right. take me literally. Yes. But we've been doing that since, you know, 2011, uh, 2019. We did like a big 30 base tour and then, you know, the world ended. Um, and we've just kind of been trying to get our footing underneath us ever since uh, you know, everybody's kind of had to do their own thing to keep ends meeting. And, uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, we're still doing that. I work with a bunch of military charities um, that you know when I do, we we sell merchandise during our, our tour, and part of the proceeds go to those charities. Um, a couple specifically that I've been working with for God, worked with one of them for ten years now. Donated about forty thousand dollars to uh, the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. Awesome work. Well, again, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, to come on and uh, talk to us a little bit. And also I want to thank you for your service to our country. Um, it's extremely important that we thank our veterans uh, and especially those who went downrange um, and appreciate all of the uh, sacrifices that they've made uh, for us here back in the United States. So again, Tom, uh, thank you so much for being on here and I look forward to seeing you in November. Thanks, guys. That's all the time we have today on our latest episode of On the Job with Porak. Visit Porak.org to learn more about California's largest law enforcement organization, representing over 77,000 public safety members. Be sure to check out and share our monthly podcasts and past episodes on our website or wherever podcasts are available. Lastly, we'd like to close out by thanking our nation's law enforcement. We hope you stay safe and have a great day.